when you look at San Francisco, that's got 70% occupancy, 69% occupancy. That is ridiculously low. That is crazy. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer, with me. As always on these uh, wild, wacky Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm in the middle of moving, but other than that, uh, I'm doing great. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good. Just got to remind people, by the way, just to, to, I had somebody and I said this on my podcast on the podcast a while ago, but uh, I had somebody's like, hey, when you inter- you interviewed that Matt Jones guy and you just like didn't ask him any questions, you just like kind of took over the, hey, we do this every Wednesday, just so you know, every single Wednesday this comes out. And Matt and I just kind of talk about really just whatever's on our mind. Sometimes we didn't even like think about it before and we just start talking. Sometimes we have some pre-thought, but it doesn't matter. We just talk about whatever's going on uh, that we want to talk about. So with that said, Matt, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're continuing our asset class series. And today we're going to talk about office space, not the movie, but the, uh, you know, type of investment. The office space. Yeah. That's that talk about a movie, but that kind of is what's going on right now uh, in the office space. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like nobody wants to be there. What is that? The one that they, uh, they're like, they got a case of the Mondays. Is that? Yeah, the <laughs> yeah that's the one. You got it. Uh, well, the office uh, office sector has a case of the Mondays right now. Uh, nobody wants to be there, and uh, and it's reeling. So the office office is an interesting one right now. It's actually like I saw this post a couple days ago. I think it was either Monday, or maybe it was Friday last week. I can't remember. And he was a guy who I, I, I respect, and um, and maybe he's making a really wise decision. I don't know. I haven't studied any of what he's doing. Well, to an extent, right? But this this guy is building a class office in Phoenix, Arizona, and Phoenix, Arizona made the list of one of the worst office markets in the entire country. Uh oh. Uh, and, and he's building brand new state of the art. Now his point is, is, oh, it sounds good. At least like, he's like, Hey, you know what? The office is reeling. And, and he, he didn't say that it wasn't, he said, look, office is doing terrible, but we are buying the, or building this in premium location. It's going to be state of the art. We are putting extra things in. And I can't remember everything he said, but they're, you know, they got like a, a fitness gym and they got, you know, whatever, all the cool stuff that he thinks are going to attract people to this uh, office building. At the same token, what that made me think is one of my um, investors and friends said the only investment he will not, or only thing that he will never invest in again, and it was a big mistake, is A-class office. <laughs> and back in like 2005, 2006, so somewhere around there, um, this company went and built a brand new A-class, beautiful, well-located, amazing property uh, office. And they had it all leased out, and they were leasing it out for you know 15 bucks a square foot or whatever it was, pretty high, pretty high price a square foot. And the recession hit, and all of a sudden, they 
everybody started going other places. They were finding rent for cheaper and it was just a, a big snowball effect and they ended up losing everything. Hmm. Um, and so that's always stuck with me. Lesson learned uh, from him. Again, I don't want to slam an office too bad because people make money in it. REITs own office. A lot of people make good money in office. But it's definitely an industry I'm happy we're not heavy in right now, Matt, because uh, what's going on in the office space? Let's let's just uh, enlighten people a little bit if they don't know. I think if you're sleeping under a rock, you might not know um, what's going on in the office space. Yeah. And you almost bought office space right when the pandemic was starting. Shh, shh, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> well, you didn't. You, you pulled back on it. Uh, so dodged a bullet there. Yeah. So, and I actually own uh, a building that's an office industrial building. And that's a little different uh, because it's got that industrial aspect to it. So I think your office is a wide sector, right? And there's a lot of different things going on in office. But what you're talking about pre-pandemic, it was actually like, we were literally like getting everything going and we launched the raise. And I swear it was like, a day after we launched this raise, the pandemic hit. And, or maybe it was a day, yeah, whatever. It was right timing was like, actually, quite frankly, perfect. Because it allowed us to go, we're out. Like, this doesn't work. And it, had we done that raise three months earlier, got the raise done, closed on that asset, we could have been in for a world of hurt. Now, I don't know because I didn't know the owner really that well. So I don't know what happened if if he collected everything and it turned out great. Maybe it worked out really well for him. Maybe he's got it's fully occupied right now and, and all that. But um it was a fantastic location. It was a great property and we were getting it for a really good deal. So everything was really attractive about it. But the pandemic hit and just went, there's no way we're not doing this. Like we can't do this the office. Nobody can go into the office right now. How long is this going to last? And at first when the pandemic hit, I was like, what a joke. Like this isn't going to last for more than a week, you know, but then as it went on and we're going, okay, you know, the government shutting everything down. Um, it, this seems like kind of serious. Like they're not joking about this stuff. And it's probably not going to be something that's going to, be done in in a week or two or three or even a month or two or three. Uh, we said, you know, look, forget it. And we actually tried to negotiate with the seller um, an extended closing. And so we said, hey, give us until this pandemic thing kind of works itself out. We'll close. I think, you know, that was March, right? And so we're like, hey, we'll close in July. You have to extend the closing. And he's like, no. Buyer, buyer, go away. And we said, we're going to go away. Well, good thing you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy we did. Happy yes. We did. It worked out. Divine intervention, right? So uh, it worked out. So, but this other building is, uh, like I said, it's an office and industrial. So it's it's uh, the mullet of real estate. It's got office in the front and industrial in the back. And so what what is good about that is you've got multiple uses in a company that doesn't, a company that needs kind of that industrial or R&D kind of space, um, has a lot of space they can utilize for it. If they need the shipping 
if they need uh, deliveries, that kind of stuff, they, they, they've got it, but then it's got the office kind of front too. So now like this company, they don't need an office space and an industrial space that's separate. They've got just, it's one, it's right there and they've got everything taken care of. And the company that's in there right now, it's a great use. Hopefully they stay there forever, right? And sign a new lease extension and we're all sat there. Um, but you know, the great thing about that company is they utilize the space extremely well. And so they've got their office, like I said, but they've also got a ton of research. It's a medical company, medical device company. So they're doing a ton of research and, and all that kind of stuff and testing. And, you know, so they, they utilize that entire space and, and what it's meant for. They do a really good job with it. So, um, Hopefully that's again, hopefully that's a place to stay. But here's here's the biggest pitfall, even with that. Okay. So we're doing really well, Matt, with the with the property. Okay. We've we've got a great tenant in there, but it's a single tenant. It's about a hundred thousand square feet, and it's a, a single tenant. So what happens when they leave? If yeah. they leave. 100 percent vacancy rate. 100% vacancy rate. And so now we got to sit here and go, okay, we got to find the next person that's going to utilize this space, or we got to find multiple people. And here's what I think a lot of people forget about office, retail, industrial, is we have industrial probably to a lesser extent, but still there, we have build-out costs. Okay. So this company has a specific use. The next company even if it's very similar, is going to have different needs, okay? And so they're going to want things built out differently. And so they're going to ask for credits to do that. And so they're going to say, hey, we want you to give us 30 bucks a square foot for tenant improvements or whatever it might be. And you kind of got to you kind of got to say yes, because that's just where the market's at. And so you do that either with a credit or you'd give them free rent, or maybe it's a multiple, you know, of both of those, but that hurts big time. So if you're doing, if you're doing turnovers quickly, it can get really expensive. And that's where office gets crushed is from what I understand. And I haven't owned anything other than this one building that I'm talking about. And so we've got a seven year lease signed with the, this group. Um, so that's great. Because it's seven, at least it's seven years, and we can do some damage to our to our loan, and we can make some make some payments, uh, or sorry, make some distributions, and and so on. And we can build up a nice reserve account for when that happens. But a lot of it, uh, office mat is like leases that are one to three years, and so if every year to three years you're paying tenant improvement costs, and you're paying by the way the other thing that you pay is leasing commissions, and that can get really expensive. Uh, that eats your costs up. And a lot of people don't really build that in their pro formas and how, what it's actually going to be true costs to them. So as I've looked at other office buildings, that's kind of what I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, and uh, now is certainly a tricky time overall with office space. Uh, you're right. There are some niches within office that are still doing all right. But uh, overall, office as a whole, especially in some markets like uh, you said, Phoenix and um, oh, you posted on Facebook the other day, like San Francisco has 31% vacancy yeah. rate in their office space. So I think- yeah. um, Do you now, have that list up, Matt? Uh, yes, I do. Why don't you read through kind of the top um, maybe 
you know, eight to 10 of them. Yeah. Uh, San Fran, I said, number one is 31%. And then LA is 26%. Chicago, 24% vacancy. Phoenix, like I said, is 24% as well. Uh, Cleveland is 23. Denver, 22. Philly, 19% vacancy. Boston, 19. Houston, 19. Austin, 19. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is huge vacancy rates. Can you imagine being at 80% or less occupied? Most people don't underwrite that. I guarantee you that there's less than 1% of uh, of you know owners that underwrote to a to a uh, 20% vacancy rate like it just doesn't happen right they're underwriting to 90% occupancy 95% occupancy but not they're not counting on a sustained period of time of 80% occupancy so you know when you look at San Francisco that's got 70% occupancy, 69% occupancy. That is ridiculously low. That is crazy. I don't know how they can, these, these groups are going to be able to make it for very long. And you're hearing stories about people in San Francisco that are just giving the keys back. A big hotel uh, operator gave the keys back. That's a different sector, right? But a big, big hotel operator, big uh, mall operator uh, gave keys back to the bank. Um, you know, you, you, uh, several office uh, have given keys back. Minneapolis, we there the, in downtown Minneapolis. There's several buildings that are vacant or near vacant that were fully occupied pre-pandemic, and right now the city is trying to work out a plan to redevelop those into apartments. You know, it's like you can't just have a vacant CBD. It just doesn't work. The central business district needs to be active. And if you've got nobody going to the office, then man, it just crushes that downtown area. And so it's it's really interesting to see how this is going to play out in the future. I think there what what this does though, it crushes the office industry, obviously. The operators that have office there's going to be plenty of people that are well they already are getting crushed but to continue to get crushed right they've they've they're plowing through their reserves they're they've done their capital calls they they just are on their last standing leg and their loans are coming due or we're going to get called due i think we're going to see a lot of pain in the office space again we've already been seeing it but i think over the next 12 months we're really it's really going to unfold um and, and it's going to be a sad story but at the same time it does provide opportunities for those who want to get into the space to potentially get deals at a sharp discount because there will be people or there are people that think office will never make a comeback. And there's banks that go, office is screwed. Like we just got to offload this. And so if you can buy it at a deep discount and say, look, this thing cash flows really nicely at 75% occupancy. Look at this deal. Like look at these TIs, look at the leasing costs, like look at the rents, the rents are down, but that's okay. Cause we're buying it at such a great price. That at 75% occupancy with lower rents, with higher expenses, we're actually still making pretty good money. We're making an 8% return, 10% return. And if there's any potential that office bounces back, now we've got a real home run, right? And so I think that's where the opportunity lies is don't be scared of office, be aware of office and be 
willing to go into office if the opportunity presents itself. Because catching a falling knife is, in my opinion, a great thing. You just got to wear gloves. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it can be a great time to buy office. And uh, like you say, either hold on to it, um, you know, write it through to hopefully, I think office will come back to a point. I'm not expecting pre-pandemic levels of occupancy rates. By right. You have to understand the limitations still of it, right? That's why catching a falling knife is good with gloves on, right? Is you have to understand, like you said, that's not going to come back fully. And maybe, maybe it will, you know, again, never, never is a, is a big word, right? <laughs> um, but I agree with you, Matt. I don't expect it to fully come back uh, to pre-pandemic levels. But again, if you can, if you can buy it with the right underwriting strategy and, and it makes sense, then boy, you know, you could, that could be very profitable. And you had a good point earlier of, you know, doing conversions to multifamily or other types of real estate assets that are, are currently needed in the, you know, particular markets. So um, that's another opportunity to, to make some money off of buying office at a discount. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've heard all kinds of different, um, you know, creative reuses of office space. And so you, you can create, it doesn't have necessarily have to be fully office and depending on the layout of the building, you could have retail mixed with office mixed with potentially storage mixed with potentially multifamily you know you could have a building that has multiple different uses to it and uh and be very profitable independent of obviously what the city wants and depending on the layout of the building and how easy it is to convert but there there's definitely opportunities for people that are out there that are willing to be creative item up so sure that those opportunities are very strong right now. Still, um, I, I definitely wouldn't if I if I was interested in that space. I would definitely be looking, but I think those are probably coming, um, and especially in some of these cities that you mentioned, Matt. Those those top ten cities that you mentioned, holy cow! Like those are big vacancy rates. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> So if you're sitting there in San Francisco now, San Francisco is a freaking mess. So I don't know if I would touch San Francisco, but man, that, that that's, that's some big vacancy rates. But even like you look at a city, like uh, what did you mention Like Phoenix, right. Was up there. You mentioned Austin, Texas was up there. Um, several other cities that maybe are going to have some stress over the next couple of years, but those are cities that are strong cities and, yeah, they got pain right now, but they're gonna bounce back. They'll be okay. And so, if you can get in for uh, for the right price in those markets, then that probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. And you know, same with offices, any other kind of real estate. You know, it's a long term play, really, uh, and that's what you should focus on. Uh, like, what is it going to be five, ten, twenty years from now? Yeah, if yep. you hold on to it for that long. Yeah, I um, and, and I yeah, I hear I. I People ask me, you know, how do you underwrite office? How do you underwrite retail? How do you underwrite industrial? Again, it's it's really similar. If you know how to underwrite one asset class, they're all pretty similar. You just have to understand the nuances within that particular asset class. What are your expenses? What are your kind of big um, expenses or income gains or income losses, Right. And that's really what you have to understand. So it's not about the underwriting. It's just about understanding what you can get caught up in 
um, and, and it, with office, as far as I understand, the people I've talked to, the people that hate office or love office tell me the same thing. Tenant improvements and leasing costs are the biggest thing that'll catch you by surprise and and really bring you down quickly. So make sure those are accounted for properly. Yeah, makes sense. Um. Oh, and don't assume I had another guy who owned a, an office building hate, hates office. He hates office, but he owns an office build or owned an office building. And um, he said that he was, you know, he was told the leasing costs and told how expensive they were, but just assumed that he'd be able to lease. And so, you know, cause he had his real estate license. And so he was like, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be the person leasing. Well, what happens is certainly he might be representing the owner, but then the person the the you know who's leasing has somebody representing them. So you're still paying a commission. And he's like, Well, I'll negotiate the renewals. Well, guess what? He might negotiate the renewals with the person that's leasing, but then all of a sudden his broker, that person's broker sniffs it and says, Hey, you know what? You're about to sign this at 12 bucks a square foot. You should be getting it for 10 bucks a square foot, or I can get you in this beautiful office for, you know, 11 bucks a square foot. And so now all of a sudden the broker steps in and you still got to pay the commission. So be putting that into your underwriting, your paying commissions. It's just how it is. Yep. So. Good advice. Cool. Anything else on office? No, I just say uh, be really cautious about it right now. Um, but granted, when everybody is staying away from a particular asset, that sometimes that's also a good time to focus on it. Um, but uh, just be really thoughtful of what the short term is going to do to your cash flow. Yeah. And it's like anything in real estate. Look, great location and nicer, newer product or something you can make nicer and newer um, it is what wins every time. So if you're going to buy office and C-class neighborhoods, just expect, or C-class office, just expect that you're going to have a C-class experience, right? And if you're going to buy a, a nicer uh, office, of course, the price still has to be right. But that's where, in my opinion, you can win the biggest. Or B, C or B. Yeah. So, All right, Matt, I don't have anything else, man. Um for our listeners, have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. 
Uh, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.